Welcome to this podcast, and in this session we're going to talk about global innovation phenomena. Now, global innovation flows are changing, and these have important ramifications for strategy. Why? Well, because as innovations flow change, the potential for competitive threats changes substantially. There are also opportunities here for the strategist. So, for instance, the classic model of innovation saw innovations typically the privilege and forte of the West, or developed economies, where innovation takes place among increasingly more creative and technologically developed firms, which can then be fed forward to emerging and middle-income economies. In many ways, this model was tied to the need to outsource and offshore costs by moving labour-intensive activities or production to places with lower cost. In doing so, the home country uh, business, shall we say, would typically become more innovation focused, more focused on product development and therefore, you know, utilize lower cost bases elsewhere to manage things like production. So it's really kind of an offshoot of that type of model. However, Considerable investments in emerging and middle-income economies have led to a transformation in which these destinations are becoming research and development and innovation hubs in their own right, and therefore advancing technologies at a rapid pace and developing new technologies, products and services suited to their own needs. And this creates a challenge to the classic feed-forward logic about innovation flow. So if we pause there for a second, you know, What are those challenges? Well, in the first instance, if classically we think of our organization in in a developed economy as the one that innovates, then for the most part, innovation is going to be either controlled from the central organization or the parent organization, and something that is then potentially dispersed into subsidiaries for implementation, or into other parts of the business, or it's going to be something that it you know develops in its home market and then looks to export or develop greenfield um, businesses in order to sell internationally. Regardless, the point is the locus of innovation takes place in a relatively small area. Now, for me, given that I have a background in corporate entrepreneurship, I kind of find this puzzling because, in my mind, wouldn't it be advantageous to try to capitalize on pockets of entrepreneurship across the entire business? In other words, how do you get not just the subsidiaries or other satellite parts of the business invested in innovating? Especially since innovation is really the lifeblood of organizations, considering that we live in highly volatile, a highly uncertain and highly competitive environments. So for me then, it seems more sensible to look at innovation more broadly and to think about where can we source innovations from. So a recent illustration of this global innovation phenomenon in action is the so-called reverse innovation model, where innovations are actually developed in emerging or middle-income economies and then fed into developed economies. So classic illustrations are how far advanced China is in electronic payment technologies, for instance, and in being a cashless society, and other initiatives such as Mobike, the smart bike sharing scheme, which started in China and then worked its way uh, towards developed economies in the West. So in other words, there is a lot of innovation happening everywhere in the world. Why would we want to lock ourselves out of that by thinking solely in a either silo sense and not thinking about global innovation flows. 
So in a global strategy sense then, the multinational enterprise should not think of their subsidiaries elsewhere merely as receptors of organisational innovation, but instead be considered as innovation factories in themselves whose actions and activities may hold promise back in the firm's original domestic markets or some of its other developed markets. The strategic question then forces a reconsideration of corporate strategy and the HQ headquarters subsidiary relationship. So for instance, subsidiaries, especially those in distant emerging economies, can serve as sources of innovation. They can also serve as, how can I put this, hmm, as almost as on-the-ground search factories insofar as they can look for innovations that are being developed in emerging economies or middle-income economies that have the potential to generate value in other markets. So for instance, yes, the subsidiary in and of itself could become an internal in-house factory for innovation, but also they can be at the very front line of seeking out open innovation opportunities. So in this sense, subsidiaries, especially those in distant emerging economies, can serve as sources of of innovation which raises questions about how the organisation incentivizes and rewards, or otherwise conditions against, innovation activity, and can then forward or reverse transfer those innovations to other markets if they are sufficiently developed. To go along with this, the now famous concept of open innovation is another illustration, where in-house internal innovation capabilities are supplemented or substituted for relational strategies that co-opt or acquire innovations from innovative entrepreneurs and firms in which the larger firm, the the organisation that we are part of, may provide either richer routes to markets or complementary assets for commercialisation. Now, I, I appreciate that this is something of an oversimplification, But my point is that changing global innovation flows transforms the strategic relationship from a transactional one to a relational one. And for me, that is the core strategic challenge that we are now facing as global innovation flows change. Because it's not simply a case of merely innovating internally, especially in our primary core headquarters or subsidiaries in developed markets, but thinking about how we can globally source innovation, either from our subsidiaries or via open innovation channels among entrepreneurs or innovative firms in emerging economies. And in that sense, it becomes very much a relational question. Now, to illustrate this, why is it a relational problem? Well, global innovation flows affect all organisations. So the real question becomes, what will make your organisation the partner of choice for those who might provide opportunities for open innovation when there are so many other innovation-hungry firms out there? So if you approach this purely as a transactional one, then what you are essentially having to focus on is, well, what premium do we pay organisation X in order to acquire some of its innovations? That's okay. But again, why would it choose you as the bearer of that innovation and not somebody else, specifically your competitors? So this becomes a relational issue. Equally, let's delve one step back and focus again on the subsidiary. 
If the subsidiary is tightly controlled and seen predominantly as a vector just for the distribution of products and services that are relatively standardized with some customization to the local market, then you're depleting the scope for it to innovate. If we loosen some of those reins on the subsidiaries and encourage entrepreneurial initiatives among subsidiary managers, then what are the implications for resourcing? Can we then effectively resource those innovation activities? How do we make decisions about which innovations to support and which not to? And what are the implications of not supporting an innovation activity, particularly at the people level in terms of some of our key employees, key scientists, or key engineers or key innovators, for instance? So again, for me, this is an illustration of a relational problem because at the same time, you're not just managing human capital, but you're managing social capital. The social capital between the headquarters and the subsidiaries, between employees in the headquarters and employees in the subsidiary. And then taking it one step further, between the organization and potential partners in marketplaces that can provide you with innovation opportunities. And again, all of this is being driven by a relational viewpoint. So if we were to aggregate this one step further, then I would say all of this falls under the need to appreciate ecosystem strategies and to think about how global innovation flows are really being driven, not just by separated ecosystems, but complex innovation ecosystems that are spread geographically. And therefore, all of these carry opportunities for strategy, not simply threats because of innovations that may compete against your organization, but really an, an opportunity to broaden the innovation horizon of your business and therefore renew the, the organization's strategies and advantages. So I hope that gave you some useful food for thought there on why we need to start rethinking global innovation flows. And thank you for listening.